jumper on the way. Good! Tyus Battle nails the three! Dungey leaps and into the end zone for Dungey. A touchdown! If that's not on every highlight show tonight, then I, I don't know who's watching. Howard for Soaring through the air! High-flying Slovakian! Screen pass here, he'll get one. And he stays alive and he's got room to the 10. One man to beat, he'll do it. Touchdown, Syracuse! And for Syracuse, party time. The upset, pulled by the Orange. They defeat Clemson 27 to 24. The penetration. Step back. Oh, a pressure bucket for Tyus Battle. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Powered by Drivers Village and Hummel's Office Plus. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Seth Goldberg. I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Monday edition of Orange Nation. We want to hear from you as we talk Q's basketball at 315-437-7644. You can also text us at 315-288-0644. Seth mentioned we do have Adrian Autry coming your way at 1230. We'll, we'll talk to Red about, uh, I guess, what was an up-and-down week. Certainly not a good weekend for the Orange. They go on the road. Uh, they get roughed up by the Virginia Tech Hokies, 78-56. to Let's put it in perspective, though, Seth. Syracuse now 5-2. and two. In conference play, they lost on the road to a top 10 opponent, one that had four full days to get ready for you. Syracuse obviously had to turn right around in about 48 hours and and play again after beating Miami inside the Dome. Uh, It was a Virginia Tech team that, uh, you know, was licking its wounds a little bit. They, They lost to two really good teams by a lot in Virginia and North Carolina. It felt like a statement game of sorts. You know, it's a packed house, tough place to play. Syracuse went down there, and and Virginia Tech had its way. Big deal or no? Uh, No. No, I don't think it's a big deal. I think that you went on the road to a top-10 team, and you got beat. Like, I, I don't... I don't see too much more to it than that. And maybe that's an overly simplistic view. And you lost by 22, and, and you would rather not lose by 20-plus points. Right? Like that, that is stating the obvious. You would rather not lose a game by 20-some-odd points. However, uh, you go out there, and Justin Robinson had, had the game of his life, had the best game that he's ever played. And you go into a place that is a very tough environment to play into, which we knew going in, and you played a talented team, and that's a game that you lose. Like, I, I, I don't think that anybody is surprised that they lost that game. Are people maybe surprised that they lost by 22 points? Sure. Are they, lost, uh, are they surprised at the defensive effort? Sure, maybe, but I don't think that anybody should be surprised that they lost. And at the end of the day, like that, that is, and, and this is going to sound like coach speak, and I hate it, but like that's the thing that matters, right? Is that it's just a loss, and you can get over it, and you can get past it. You're already right on track. You're you're still right where we all expected this team to be at this point. You thought they would go five and one, uh, not beating Duke and losing to Georgia Tech, but you thought they would go five and one. You thought, hey, going into a, a top 10 team on the road, you're probably going to lose. And now you have Boston College and Pittsburgh. And last week we were talking about, hey, how great would it be if Syracuse can beat Boston College and Pittsburgh? They can get to 7-2 and two at the halfway point of the ACC schedule. That would be incredible. And you could still do that. And, and that is still very much on the table. Yeah, I don't think it's a big deal either. Uh, listen, we didn't expect him to win this game. I didn't expect him to lose by 22. But we didn't expect him to win this game. And it was a case where... Virginia Tech played awfully well. Obviously shot the ball extremely well. Shot 14 for 30 from three-point range. 
that kind of rings a bell because Syracuse just went 14 for 30 from three-point range against Miami. You saw a Syracuse team that obviously did not shoot the ball all that well. Um, and, you know, some nights you're going to have it, some nights you're not. They didn't have it against Virginia Tech on Saturday, and there are reasons for that. I think Virginia Tech uh, played a big part of that, the way that they got in SU's face defensively. And we'll get back to that in a moment. But it was an off night for Syracuse. It was very much an on night for Virginia Tech. And, again, they're the top 10 team. They're playing at home. They're playing with more rest. They've been able to prepare longer than you. Um, and not to belabor the point, but I, I know Jim Beheim brought that up after the, the game and said, listen, you know, they, they hadn't played since Monday. You know, Syracuse had to play on a Thursday and then turn right around and, and get ready for that game. So they had more time to prepare. There was maybe a little more urgency with Virginia Tech, given the fact that they got beaten up by North Carolina and Virginia. A lot of reasons for it. I completely understand it. Again, did I expect them to lose by 22? No. But we wouldn't have batted an eye if they lost by 22 at Duke. Right. And and they won that game. So I think you chalk it up to it was an off night against a really good team on the road, and you're 5-2, and two and you forget about it, and you move on to the next one. I totally agree. I, I think that you, you just chalk it up to one of those days. You know, you mentioned Virginia Tech earlier in the week got smoked. They lost by 20 points. Isn't this just something that will happen to every ACC team outside of Duke and Virginia? Like there, there's going to be a game that every ACC team loses by twenty. North Carolina got smoked yes. at home. By exactly, Louisville. exactly. Every team in the ACC, with the exception of Duke and Virginia, I'm willing to to set them aside. The other thirteen teams in the league are going to get smoked more than once, in all likelihood, at least once, but probably more than once. So you know what? The fact that it happened and it happened at Virginia Tech. Oh well, great. It, it, like that stuff happens in this league, and I, and I think that really Saturday night is just a byproduct of the ACC. And yeah, you went, you played a really talented team. You played them on the road. You played them in their building in a game that they're coming off of getting smoked by UNC. And we talked about this earlier in the week, right? We we talked about this last week, saying, "Hey, this is a statement game of sorts for Virginia Tech. They come in, you know, behind Syracuse in the standings, and while Syracuse isn't ranked, they are five and one in ACC play. This is an opportunity for Virginia Tech to say, "Hey, you know what? We are." this good we are this good to to warrant that ranking to be at the top of the ACC and they went out and they proved it and I, and I don't think that you could put any of that stuff aside it to me it just seems like yeah they they figured it out and they put the game together that they needed to have and you're in the ACC you're going to lose a game or two or more by 20 points at some point so we neither one of us think it's a big deal they lost um is there anything that happened in the game though that feels like either a big deal or a troubling trend, or if, is this something that we need to keep our eye on moving forward? Um, a few things stood out to me. Did anything stand out to you? Was there anything in this game that you felt like, you know... I mean, right. Justin Robinson scoring 35 points and, and draining seven or eight or nine threes is, okay. is, frus- is, is frustrating slash concerning, isn't it? It is, um, and that was one of the things on my list. It's not so much that he had it going. It's not so much he went for 35 I was, frankly, slightly disappointed with how many open looks he got. Yep, and the the lack of, um, how should I put this? I didn't think the guards got out on him as much as maybe they could have um, in terms of contesting his shot. I guess it's not just the guards; the the wings as well. Depending on where he was, I felt like he had more open looks than he probably should have once he got it going. Agreed. 
Yeah, I, I think so. I think he got too many open looks. I, I think that that's the concerning part. You know, he put up 13 threes. How many of those were contested? And, and and some of that is a credit to Virginia Tech because they did a great job moving the ball, right? I mean, they zipped it around the perimeter and they, you know, the ball would touch the high post and they'd swing. They, they did a great job moving the ball. So well, they, some of that is, and, and you can pass the ball faster than, you know, the defense can react. Yes. So tip your cap to, to Virginia Tech in that regard. Um, they got open looks in part because of how they moved the basketball. I did feel like there were times, though, where, where guys, and I'm not pinning it on one or two, I think it was a collective team thing. That particular night, Saturday night, I felt like they were they were slow to close out at times, and, and guys, you know, in particular, Justin Robinson, who couldn't miss, he, he, he got a lot of really open looks. You know, you, you say they were moving the ball really well, and Virginia Tech was. They were doing exactly what Syracuse did on Thursday night. Syracuse went out Thursday night and moved the ball incredibly well, and and they were able to um, just play at a at a higher pace, a quicker pace. They were able to create open shots for themselves because they just kept passing the ball and finding the extra man. We talked about this on Friday, where you know Tyus Battle's a threat, uh, Buddy Beheim's a threat. All right, all of a sudden Elijah Hughes is left open in the corner, and the ball works its way around to him, and he gets a three. And it felt like that was some of what was happening on on Saturday night. Uh, Justin Robinson heats up, he becomes a threat. Ball moves into the next guy. The next guy is able to put up an open three. Or the ball moves to the next guy and back to Robinson, and, and he's able to put up a three. Like Syracuse got beaten doing exactly what they did on Thursday, it seemed, on the offensive end. And Syracuse's defense wasn't able to move fast enough, adjust fast enough, and get out on shooters fast enough to really change anything about it. So I thought defensively they were a step slow. The, the other thing that was concerning, I guess, and I, I don't want to overblow it, but I, I'm, I'm a little concerned with when teams get up on them, you know, when SU has, has the ball on offense and, and defenses get up in their face, they have struggled with those kinds of teams, right? You look back at UConn played them like that. Uh, Georgia Tech played them like that. We certainly saw Virginia Tech play them like that. They just really getting after you. You know, uh, an aggressive man-to-man make things difficult in terms of getting into your offense. There's no breathing room. Um, we've seen them struggle against that. I mean, we saw against Miami. You know, Miami tried to zone them. They shot the lights out. Um, and and even when Miami went to man, Syracuse was still in a, a flow and a rhythm. There was no rhythm to that game Saturday night from a from a Syracuse perspective on None. the offensive. You know, None. maybe maybe the first four minutes of the second half when they went on that little run and they they got into a little bit of a rhythm for five or six possessions. But again, credit Virginia Tech. That that's the way they played. But we've seen this now. It is. I think we can call it a trend with Syracuse. When they play a very aggressive man-to-man defensive team, they tend to struggle. And that's something they got to figure out. Yes, they've got to figure out how to beat that because realistically, most teams are going to play man no matter what against Syracuse. We but, saw that in the Duke game, but the Duke defense wasn't aggressive. Right, this, this, this was, was a, a defense di- that Virginia well, Tech blit. Like the term I used after the UConn game is they blitzed them, and and it was the same thing. Them in the mouth. Right, they they came up and they were aggressive on them. It's but here's the thing that I struggle with with that. Hang on, let, let me jump in real yeah. quick because you just mentioned Duke and you said they didn't play as aggressive. When Trey Jones was out there, they did. They did. They, they, they had trouble with it. So that's a great point. I, I kind of forgot about the first six minutes of that Duke game where. 
you know, Syracuse was having a heck of a time just getting the ball over half court. Right. Because, of, have because somebody, of that aggressive defense when you by have Trey somebody Jones. who will get in your face, it creates all these kinds so of problems. So I didn't mean to interrupt, but that was, no, that's a right. good point. You're right. I mean, Duke, Duke was manning them up and could for the first five minutes because they had somebody who was actually aggressive and going after them. But I, I, I struggle with why they are... I struggle coming up with a reason why they struggle with this. Because... You have so many ball handlers on the team. You you put a lineup out there that includes Marek Dolezal at the five, and you have five guys who can handle the ball on the floor. And you have you know two in in uh, in Frank Howard and Tyus Battle who are incredibly experienced and talented. And so I don't know, like I I struggle looking at this team why they would have a hard time with defensive pressure. And I know that any team, if you get up and you punch them in the mouth and you get up and you're uptight and and in inside of them, for lack of a better term, they're gonna have some kind of problems. But it is surprising to me that this team struggles so much with that, given given the experience in the backcourt, given given how many ball handlers they've got on this team. It's at least a little bit surprising that they struggle so much with defensive pressure. And I don't think it's unique to Syracuse. Listen, uh, Georgia Tech is doing it against everybody. I mean, Georgia Tech, if we remember, held Virginia Tech to 52 points. They held Duke to um, 66 over the weekend. Right, and that was a close game for a while. Um, you know, Virginia holds everybody down in terms of scoring. Virginia Tech's a really good defensive team. I don't think it's unique to Syracuse that when they play these teams... Um, that they're going to struggle because an aggressive man-to-man defense like that it makes you uncomfortable, right? Syracuse looked uncomfortable the entire night, and and that's the thing. Like it, it's it's one thing to get punched in the mouth, and you know we saw that against UConn. Eventually, Syracuse settled in against UConn, and and right. was you know I mean they, they were never able, did on Saturday. They were able to to score. I mean they finished with seventy six points in that UConn game. Um, they never settled in against Virginia Tech. They were uncomfortable all night long, with the exception of you know that little stretch they had at the beginning of the second half. So, I don't think it's 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 unique to Syracuse, but they do need to do a better job against those kinds of teams because they're going to see them, you know, in the in the NCAA tournament, right? I mean, good yes. teams, you know, Wisconsin, Michigan State. I mean, you know, there are there are really good man to man teams that get up and they make you uncomfortable. Syracuse has to do a better job. Yeah, and defensively, they've got to not allow somebody to keep getting open three after open three after he's already hit four. The last thing that that stood out to me, and it's it's kind of obvious, but we'll we'll mention it here. Um, what a difference Pascal Chuku makes when you remember Tyler Robeson a couple of years ago, and it, it was plugged in Roby. Yeah, it was yes. it was Hop's phrase. You call him a plugged in Roby, and when and when Tyler Robeson was plugged in, Syracuse was so much better. Right? And and it's not that Roberson scored 10, 12, 14 points. Like, that wasn't his game. It was grabbing rebounds, you know, playing defense, you know, blocking a shot here or there, you know, doing doing some of the dirty work. And when they had Tyler Roberson doing the dirty work, they were a much tougher team to beat. When they've got Pascal Chuku doing some of the dirty work, when he's grabbing 11 boards or 18 boards, and I know he's not going to get 18 boards on a regular basis, but, you know, 8 to 12 boards, when, when he's playing like that, they are so much more difficult to beat when he's altering shots and blocking a few shots and rebounding the basketball and you know holding the opponent to one and done. And, and it's not all on him. I mean, rebounding is a group effort, especially out of the zone. But we saw one of those games from Pascal where he kind of disappeared. He, he was just kind of blah. He got into foul trouble really early, and he wasn't able to really stay on the court for too long. 
in the first half, obviously fouled out in the second, but he, he didn't do anything. He didn't have any kind of a, an impact on the game. Sidibe struggled. He he came in for, what, eight seconds and got a rebound nearly taken away from him and then got the double technical called in the first half. Like he, That was he just, a lame call, by the way. That <laughs> I mean, double it was, technical, it was, give me a break. I don't disagree with you, but like it, it was a bad seven seconds of court time for Barama Sidibe. Talk about a quick whistle. Like, goodness gracious. There was a little pushing. Okay, fine. That's where you step in and you say, gentlemen, knock it off. Hey, idiots. Let's, at least uh, they did the right thing and looked at it and said, oh, we kind of messed up here. Because I think after they looked at it, they realized there should have been no technicals, but they'd already given Sidibe a technical. So, so they all right, you know what? Let's just, let's just do both. Because neither one of them really did anything. I mean, it was that was a lame call. That's a step in there and say, you know, knock it off, guys. Hey Let, guys let's, let's get back to basketball. How about you go get somebody else? 315-437-7644. Let's go to the phone lines. Uh, ben and Manley is kicking us off on the show today. Hey, Ben. Hi, guys. Um, I want to make a couple points. Uh, first, I'll, first of all, is I don't want to hear from Bayheim ever about, you know, a slow turnaround because this is a man who consistently argues that college kids are young and they can play, you know, 40 minutes a game and it's not a big deal. So, like, then what? Like, were you not prepared for Virginia Tech? Like, that's what you get paid millions to do. 24 hours is plenty of time to come up with a game plan in basketball. Um, And then the second thing, I think you're right, the big takeaway from the game is, you know, going back to the Duke game and the Connecticut game, as you guys said, the, um, the high ball pressure on Frank. If the other team, you know, I don't think it's because Duke still played hard defense, but um, the difference was that their uh, their point guard was out. And, you know, Frank, not a shot at him. I like him. He plays hard. But he's a very one-handed point guard um, for a major college basketball team. And if you can take his right away, he's going to struggle. Yeah, and, and when he's uncomfortable, and, and thanks for the call, Ben. Appreciate checking in. When he's uncomfortable, you know, the, the offense is going to be uncomfortable because it takes a little bit longer than you would like to get into your sets. And, and you know, it, it extends you out so that, you know, if you, you throw a pass to the wing instead of getting it right at the three-point line, now you're, you know, 25 feet from the basket, you know, battle touches the ball or Hughes touches the ball on the wing and you just, you know, you're disjointed for the first 10 seconds or so with the shot clock. So I get it and I understand it, um, but they do have to do a better job, uh, you know, when they face that kind of defense. To the first point from Ben about the, the quick turnaround, th- this is what I'll say, and I in it's a it's a valid point Ben makes. I, I think part of Beheim's point, or if it wasn't his point, in my point with the quick turnaround is that it's it's fine if it's the same for both. So it, you know, right. if, part of Bayon's point was saying. they hadn't played since Monday, and they've got all week to work on the zone. And I mean, they've got four days to get ready for that, like four full days to get ready for that game. Syracuse had one. Um, right, you know that's what you're paid to do. They obviously were prepared. I mean, you know the the assistants are scouting these guys ahead of time. Like the scouting report's ready, but you have one day to work on things. Um, so I get it from that regard that if it is a quick turnaround, if you're playing like Saturday, Monday, for instance, and we see that in the league sometimes, um, it's only fair if both teams are doing it. Yeah, I'm, look, I I get what I I get the point. I understand it. I I don't think it's an excuse for coming out and not performing well. But I understand where it's coming from. Like it, I, yeah, it's it's a valid point that because of the weird way the league like, schedules, one team is coming off of four days and one team is coming off of two. But it's also not the reason that you lost by twenty two points. Let me give you an, another example um, in college football. Right, if if you're getting ready for Clemson, let's say on a bye, and you've got two weeks to prepare for them, 
And let's say Clemson's got to turn around and they, they had just played like... Another big team. Texas A&M, for instance, right? right? And, they, and they didn't have really time to pay much attention to you. And then you know they have less time to prepare. Should they still be prepared? Yes. Does it give you an advantage because you, you've had two weeks to get ready for that game? Where you've had double the time. That's essentially what we saw last night, or Saturday night. Virginia Tech had twice as much time, more than twice as much time to get ready for the game, and it's a home game, and again, it's that zone, and they had a chance to work on it. So, again, I'm not I'm not sure the point was made from a fatigue standpoint. I think it was more so just made from a, you know, a, a preparation and, and getting the players' minds right and a scouting report, and this is what it is, and let's go over it, let's hammer it home. I mean... Let's face it, Virginia Tech was ready for that game Yeah, on a lot of levels. Look, that's the bottom line. Virginia Tech was ready to play, came out on fire, and, and they ran away from Syracuse at, at the very beginning and, and didn't really give them a chance to get back into it. like that. And, and again, I, I circle back to what I, I said right off the top of the show. You're playing a top 10 team on the road, and sometimes that's going to happen. So it happened. And you you move past it, and you you turn your attention towards Boston College because now you have two games. And and again, I I said this earlier. I hate that I sound like a coach, but you have two games here in Boston College and a team you beat in Pittsburgh um, that really you can't afford to lose. Certainly not the game against Boston College. And, and so you could be right where you you know right right at that mark that you only could have hoped at of seven and two. You know, after this week, and if you're at that, you're in fantastic shape, and this loss doesn't really matter. Listen, before the the ACC schedule even started, I think a lot of people would have looked at. I know I did. I thought the best case scenario through nine games, through the halfway mark. Remember, they play eighteen conference games, so the nine game mark, we're halfway through. The best case scenario through nine games was going to be seven and two, right? Because yeah. you figured losses to Duke and Virginia Tech, and that means you have to win all the rest. Everything now they, else. they beat Duke, they lost to Georgia Tech, as we know, but they are two very winnable games away, away from, from actually from making doing it. seven and two a reality. The best possible scenario, or as as we saw it, um, you know, if they beat BC and Pitt, and again, they're both road games. Nothing's ever easy on the road, but these are two games they should win if they do that. They've achieved the best possible scenario going into conference play. So exactly. again, I think I, I don't think the Virginia Tech loss is going to hurt them even a little bit. I don't care if they lost by five or by twenty-two. Uh, that to me, the loss doesn't matter as much as okay. As you look deeper at the game, there are some things that they need to address moving yeah. forward. You know, the defensive effort at times. The you know going up against a team that plays you tough defensively, and, and they you know if they could just get Pascal Chuku locked in. Every night, uh, it would make such a big difference for this team. We do need to take a timeout. Adrian Autry set to join us in about 10 minutes. Phone lines remain open at 315-437-7644. Back after this on ESPN Radio. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Stephen Seth back with you on a Monday edition of Orange Nation. We've got Adrian Autry uh, joining us in about five minutes or so. So quick segment here. A um, couple more things to get to from the Syracuse Virginia Tech game over the weekend. You know, we we talked about how how aggressive Virginia Tech was on defense. Did it surprise you that what they had one team foul for most of the first half? Um, to me, that was and listen, they weren't winning that game anyway. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying the refs cost them that game. I mean, Virginia Tech won it, won it handily, but uh, it, it felt like. Um, 
Yeah, maybe they they should have blown the whistle another maybe. time or two in that first I, half. Yeah, I mean, sure. I, I that stood out to me that they had one team foul and yeah. they and they're you know getting after it on the defensive end. Look, it it stands out. It's not something that like I think again. I, I don't know that it's egregious. I don't know that it has an effect a, a, a real I mean, effect on the game at the end on. of the day. Like it was bad. There were some there egregious. Fouls? Sure. There were some egregious no calls. How about when Tyus went up for the layup and he he like went down like he was shot by a sniper sure. and they I mean, call look, it jump ball. That's that's fine. I'm also like I I don't blame the refs for bad calls in most games. I'm not blaming them for a bad call in a 22 point game. Like I yeah, they could have blown the whistle more. They could have made more calls. Absolutely. I, I don't think that that like at the end of the day that didn't have a, a real true impact on the game. I mean, they they lost by twenty two, and they shot seven of fourteen from the free throw line. I, listen, like they weren't making, all I'm saying is they weren't making the most of their opportunities when they did get there. Listen, and, and I get it. I didn't say it decided the game. It stood out to me. And let's not forget, you know, it's easy to say it was a twenty two point game. Syracuse cut it to eight early in the second half. I mean, there was plenty of time to get back into the game. Um, so again, I'm not saying it cost them, you know, the game. It was to me. There were some egregious no calls. I mean, Tyus, if if I'm not mistaken, he almost airballed a layup. Wasn't there another play? He almost airballed a layup on a different play. I mean, he got hacked on his way. I, I just I, I thought it was very inconsistent. And you know how I, I feel mean, about the, the double technical. I thought was ridiculous. Look, the, um, the officiating all year has been very inconsistent and in calls going against certain teams that should and and shouldn't. I mean. I hate the the thing I, I hate more than anything, more than bad calls or good calls, is when there are no calls, no fouls in one half and a ton of fouls in the second half, and and that's really what we saw in this game, where there weren't a ton of fouls called in the first half, and then in the second half there were just tons of fouls called on both teams, and I hate when that happens because you don't know what what is and what isn't fair game and what you can and can't do. Like that's more, you know, that's as bad or worse to me than actually making bad calls. Syracuse had, had zero free throw attempts in the first half. And again, as, as aggressive as Virginia Tech was playing, um, that surprises me. There, there were a, a couple no calls in there that I, I thought were egregious. But you're right, it didn't cost them the game. The other thing um, that, that stands out to some degree, and we could probably get into this later on in the show, um, you know, Tyus Battle, he, he was held to, to what, eight field goal attempts against Miami yep. in a win when they had it going. Uh, you know, only shot the ball 10 times against Virginia Tech. And, and again, that that's a case of. You know, Virginia Tech, knowing the scouting report, they made life difficult, very difficult very. on Tyus Battle. He really didn't have any good looks at all. I mean, they were they were shadowing him. They you know they he'd get the ball, they'd throw another guy toward you know towards his way, shadow him, make him give it up, um, like you would see in lacrosse sometimes, where the, you know the slide comes to some degree. Um, and and that goes back to listen if if Frank's hitting shots and Elijah's hitting shots that's going to open things up for for Tyus but on a night like that where they want the other guys to beat you and Elijah has an off night he goes what two for thirteen from the field uh, two for nine from three point range that's not helping Tyus battle because they're going to say all right have the other guys beat him and Saturday night the other guys didn't the other beat guys him. didn't beat him and yeah I, I mean look if if you're playing Syracuse the line one on your scholarship on your uh, Scouting report and probably line two and three also is stop Tyus Battle. It still is even even with the better offense around him this year. That's still line one and two and maybe more. So I'm not concerned about Tyus at all. I mean, we know that when you know when he gets the ball and and he gets room to operate, he's he's fantastic. Um, he didn't get any room to operate on Saturday. We do need to take a timeout. Adrian Autry joins us next. Keep it here. Orange Nation returns right after this.